What is up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Tuesday night, episode 40. No, no kidding. 40. Whichever way is backwards for you guys. <laughs> just need to mirror my camera and get it over with. But yeah, episode 40, Orion Podcast. You're watching it now. Welcome back episode 40 Orion podcast. I'm Chad Brock and he is He's Zach. I don't think he can hear me. You can't hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. I was talking. You just delayed. It's all good. It's all good in the neighborhood. Man, what a whirlwind two weeks since we've last done this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's been a wedding, another doe harvest, a trip to Kentucky. It's been like, if you was to cram a lot into like two, and it's actually a week. If you think about it, it was 10 days. We crammed a yeah. lot of stuff into 10 days. Yeah, enough so that I've already aged that dough and started processing the last couple of days. So it's. Yeah, sure. if there was ever two guys that look tired that's on a podcast, it would be you and I right now. Because yeah. I am, I'm tired. I'm decompressing. Yeah. It hit. I'm, you know, just come back from the uh, big USA Bass and Kentucky Lake Jackson Kayak Trail end of the year classic championship tournament, whatever you want to call it. And it was <laughs> a dandy, man. Like poor Jason Cassidy, man. I never that dude was sweating sweating he was judging all he had to do is judge fish but he was sweating <laughs> he was nervous um it was uh it was a good pot it was a it was a good good event um really close numbers kind of you know the stuff you like to see when you're doing something like that um everybody went home happy that's that's the main well i'd like to say everybody went home happy everybody went home where they finished let's put it that way yeah. as long as you didn't have any big dust-ups or controversy during the, the tournament of the yeah. way in or anything like that you're considered just success yeah yeah i mean pretty much i mean it was tight i mean 152 to what was it 152 to 151 and a half that sounds right i gotta look because it's gonna bother me it was tight. Yeah, so, the last update you sent me, it was tight. 
Yeah, 152 to, and then first first was 152, and second was 151 and a half. Third was 151 and a half. So that's over the course of, you know, two days down there at beautiful Kentucky Lake. And, yeah, it was, if it makes it any worse, one guy caught four fish on his last day. All he needed was a 12-inch fish to win. He would have been the come from behind sneak attack win of the whole deal. Yeah, and there's and day, there's days you board. can't catch anything but twelve inch fish. <laughs> I know. And he, he actually had the fish on his board and it did the board flop. Oh no. Oh yeah. It was uh there was there was some drama for those guys out on the water, but at the end of the day it was man, it was just an awesome event and of course, I snuck away and went and seen elk and had yeah. a good time for a little bit. But found a uh, found a new little slice of heaven located down there in Marshall County, Kentucky. But we'll talk more about that on Thursday for you guys that are at home. Uh, Thursday we got a little episode of Doc Talk coming up, and we're bringing on the top three, top three from the uh, tournament last week or last weekend. Um, they're going to come share with you the ins outs of what actually went down at the event from their words, not mine, because I was just an innocent bystander. So check us out Thursday as well, 8 p.m. Eastern, and we will have that episode for you. So you're still processing the dough. I just started processing yesterday. Um, so I let her age for eight days in the cooler. Um, kind of did the whole ice ice it down and let it leach out method um it's worked well for me on the last five or six it's been you know the best deer i've ever ate so we stuck yeah. with that been changing the ice out or adding to it anyway and draining the water every day for the last eight or nine days and uh yeah i should have it finished uh hopefully tomorrow um i got the two front quarters and I got the two front quarters and one tenderloin left to trim up, and that's it. So, it's not bad. Not has much the, on a front. Not much on a front quarter on a doe, so those shouldn't take too long. Has the video made it to the uh, to the socials? I've kind of been out of tune with the social. Being I've been on the no, I've uh, I've been playing catch up. I'm still playing catch up. So between that, trying to process her while I'm home with zoe and her just being her typical hyperactive self um it's taken me a while to get through that and i've been lucky to get any work done the last couple of days by itself so hopefully by the end of the week i'll have time to go through some video i got i've got video to go through from colorado i got video to go through from that hunt which should make a little youtube video hopefully somewhere around five or six minutes long we'll see um yeah I got some stuff for some reels to go through. Yeah, I mean, I've got plenty of video to go through and more to shoot. So I've got a 2024 bow sitting here next to me that I'm working on launch content for, for Hoyt on and or for Hoyt and myself. Uh, and hopefully going to have it built by the weekend and maybe go shoot something with it. So that's the plan. I got uh, got a new project dropped in my lap this week as well, and I've got still got tons of stuff to go through. But I think we ought to uh, probably ought to bring on this guest. You guys know him; he's been here before. This would be this is this is Bill Schultz episode Deuce Part Two. 
<laughs> yeah, so we're bringing back Bill. What's up, Bill? Hey, guys, how are you doing? Evening. Good, man. Welcome welcome back to the podcast, Molly King. Thank you. So, gosh, I got to I got to I got to preface this and, and kind of let everybody know how we left we left you on the quest for you just caught 30,000, I believe. Um and that was actually almost a year ago to today. I, when I went through, I was looking at, I was looking at the different stuff, and I, I actually pulled up your old banner that we used for the first episode. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put part two on it rather than design something new. I was like, yeah, part two, because it's like been almost exactly a year to the date. So, uh, so what has been new with you since we last dropped off with you in? Um, 2022. Well, 2021 and 2022, I spent you know, about 100 days on the water. Um, those two years uh, together were by far my best, 6,006 smallmouth with number 25,000 coming on August 4th of 2021 and number 30,000 um, on October 10th. So those 14 months and six days, it was 5,000 smallmouth. This year, the numbers I've made my thousand goal, but the numbers are not what they were the last two years. We've had a lot of uh, low water on the one river I like to fish. And the other area where I, I actually keep my Crusa FD is up on the big waters of Green Bay and, um, and Lake Michigan. And I've actually spent more time out in my, my Crusa FD up there this year than, than other years. And had, you know, I've had some, some pretty good days, uh, especially mid late May. And so um, I'm kind of in a slump right now as far as I've only been on fishing about six or seven hours since September 1st. So uh, I haven't been out that much. Well, now seems like a good time. Um, so what what else you've been doing to keep you occupied in all the in all this downtime? I mean, what's kept you off the water? Well, I mean, you uh, being retired, which uh, anyone contemplating retirement, make sure you got a lot of stuff to do. Um, I mean, you know, going to the gym a few times a week and doing some cardio, um, mm -hmm. you know, can get uh, uh, old real fast and it doesn't take that much time. So, you know, I, I'm hoping this, um, you know, get ready this, you know, as I put things away, you know, late this month and early November, Hopefully uh, having some chances to, you know, work on some articles, um, you know, do I already got a couple talks lined up at some big shows here in Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin Fishing Expo, which is the largest fishing only event in the Midwest. And I'm, I'm anticipating being back on the schedule for Canoe Copia, which is the largest uh, canoe kayak paddle event in the country. They're both at the same venue in Madison, Wisconsin. They both put about 25,000 people through the gates. So those are fun. You know, they, you know, time goes pretty fast. So. Now, so you've got shows coming up. Give us a little insight for just kind of a, a preview of us, a couple of the shows that you'll be heading to um, through these winter months that maybe if people are in the area, they can, they can check out. Well, I mean, Canoe Copia is, you know, a great event put on by, um, for many years, by Rutabaga Paddle Sports, a great store in Madison, which is my store sponsor. And that's, I mean, what amazes me at Canoe Copia 
is the many years that I've, I've given talks there. I may be the only person that's given talks for 13 straight years, but um, people come from all over. I mean, they come from Indiana, Missouri, you know, the upper peninsula, and they come for the weekend, which is, it's pretty cool. It's, it's an event. Uh, the Wisconsin Fishing Expo, um, which was a volunteer event uh, by a fishing club in Madison, was purchased six, seven years ago by two friends of mine that have an advertising agency, and they built it up. And that's um, that's a fun event. And they've incorporated uh, a, a lot of a lot of things. They've had you know kayak talks, uh, you know river talks, lake talks, all sorts of species. Um, I uh, several of my uh, my pro staff companies are are there, uh, St. Croix Rods and Minn Kota and Humminbird and uh, all, all the lure companies. So it's kind of fun. I, you know, it's fun to drive over the 75 miles and say hi to people. Uh, but you know, when it comes right down to it, those things are fun. They take up some time. The other thing that I do, um, which I did take a break with COVID, I do my own event called Smalley Night Out. And I, I started it, um, 2010 or 11, did it nine years in a row. And except for the first year, it, it sold out at 130 people and packed a venue. Um, and it was body to body. And, and I took a break during COVID and I, um, I, I got it going again this late April of, of 2023. And I uh, had to go to a bigger venue and spend, spend quite a bit of money on the venue. But uh, it, it filled the room at 160 people um, and coming from northern Illinois, and the southern half of Wisconsin, I always, you know, I do a talk and then I bring in um, uh, another well-known, you know, fishing person. Uh, one that was with me four years ago has just uh, uh, announced that he'll be in the United States Freshwater Hall of Fame, Dan Small, the longtime host of Outdoor Wisconsin. But that's mm -hmm. a great event. Um, people love it. Um, I don't charge very much. In fact, this year, for the whopping $20 entry fee, uh, as, as you guys know, I don't use many um, lures, but everybody got my all-time greatest river lure. Everyone got a teeny-wee crawfish from Rebel. And for my buddies at Z-Man, everybody got my next best river lure, a package of Slim Swims and my best Big water lure, everyone got a package of Kitech 2.8 fat swings, plus sample packs of gopher jigs and a couple of other mm -hmm. things. So everyone walked out with $21 worth of items for their $20. And then at the end of the evening, I try to give away $8,000 in phenomenal mm -hmm. items that I, for a free raffle. And right. of course, one of the first things that goes every year is an Orion 35 quart cooler. And mm -hmm. it's either the cooler or the St. Croix rod. One of those two always go first. So I think the um, I think the cooler went first this year and the St. Croix rod mm -hmm. went went second. So I, I love that event. I literally the place is you know a mile and a mile from my house. It's a uh, the New Berlin Ale House. And mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of fun. I'm already thinking about it for, uh, you know, who I'm going to have for my second speaker for, for 2024. Um, already starting to 
I'll begin hustling those uh, those raffle items from my uh, from all my uh, the companies I'm involved with. But that's fun, and uh, mm-hmm. then uh, hopefully we uh, we get right back into fishing uh, this year. Uh, you know, surprisingly, with the weather in late March, I was out doing some you know shore river fishing at the end of March and having some real good luck and. Mm-hmm. You know, even getting the kayak out and getting in some waders, uh, you know, before the actual open to season. But the, you know, the rivers we can fish year round. Right. I think yeah, uh, yeah. I think we was actually on on the lake at the end of February this past year. I mean, we had no ice. One quick weekend, we had a little bit of ice, and that was pretty much all she wrote on that here in Indiana. So yeah, and it's kind of nice. Wisconsin, you know, where I, I I spent a lot of time up in Sturgeon Bay, which. Not anymore, but back in 2014 and 15, was named number one and two in the United States for Bassmasters, and it's sadly gotten hammered. And there's uh, an overabundance of bed fishing. It's just really gotten hammered, and it's not it's a shadow of itself yet. There's still, you know, some great opportunities, but a lot of the guides who are summer guides are also ice fishing guides, where they can take out 10, 15, 20 guys. Boy, the ice this year was just, I mean, they hardly got to got to guide this year because of the winter. So yeah, that I could imagine those harsh winters would really slow things down quite a bit. Well, it's actually they want a, a harsh winter. This year the ice um, it iced up real late and it it broke up extremely early. And, he, and then you always get the stories of the the guy with 10 of his clients on the chunk of ice that begins floating out in a green bay, you know, and they have to get, get rescued. So I'm not an ice fisherman. I get asked that all the time. I mean, you know, I'm a, you know, somewhat of fair weather, you know, as early this year as, as the end of March and, you know, through, through now or early November. Uh, and that's where, you know, I'm hoping to head up next week and the weather's not looking the best, but you know, to get out in the kayak uh, or out in my boat, uh, you know, there's a potential for if you get out some really big um, fish last uh, late, late, very late October and no, November 1st, I, I did two six pounders on the, uh, on the bogey grip, which is very accurate, 3,500 world records. So I'm hoping, you know, to get up there, but if not, it's, what it is, Kesarasarasa song says. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, the, the those north winds coming in across Sturgeon Bay is is probably not much fun, um, especially this time of the year. I'm, I'm sure for you guys, it's it's probably a lot like it is for Zach and I, where you get that one cold cold wind out of the north. The sky turns gray, and it's pretty much that way till spring. Yeah, well, we'll see what we'll see what happens. It's the the wind is key. The nice thing up there, three hundred miles of shoreline, lots of bays, so usually you can find um, something protected. You know, if that protected area produces or not, who who knows? You never. I mean, the fish the fish do move, so we'll see. I'm I'm, I'm planning to get up there, and uh, you know, already looking forward to. Uh, uh, Next spring, I, you know, uh, Chad, when you and I chatted, I told you that uh, uh, for the last 23 years, I, uh, I've used um, 
Rick Taylor's primetime calendars. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and as, as you and I also talked and we, and when we did this last year, I mean, my, my philosophy on everything is to keep it really simple. Um, you know, the kiss method and it's not keep it simple, stupid, it's keep it simple Schultz. And, you know, if, whether I'm out in my boat, my kayak or waders, you know, you saw, you know, right here, that's it. You know, I mean, that's not much more than this going back to my first Smalley in 1994. And, you know, 31,300 plus cents, not many more lures than that. But one of the things that I have found is a, a great tool that's, uh, you know, we all know about, and, and, and Zach, you're a, you're a big hunter, but um, Rick Taylor's in Iowa. And Rick, if there's a, a level of people that put together these solar lunar calendars, Rick is here, everyone else is here. He's the guru. It takes him seven months to put it together with his own, with his own um, uh, software that people would love to get. And up until this year, for 25 years, his simple astro tables was what you saw in Bassmasters. But um, I used to, when I was working, and I had to pick a week in June to go up to Door County, that Sturgeon Bay, I'd look in here and I'd go, oh, okay. And I'm looking at 2024, the best uh, week of the year for 2024, guys, for any of you that are interested, happens to be the week of Monday, June 3rd. Um, And the next week is pretty good. But if I have to pick a week, I'll pick a week that's highly rated because everything being equal, I'm going to have a better shot at at numbers. Um, I can tell you that the highest rated day of 2024 happens to be June 6th. And the prime within June 6th, the prime feeding period is 11:30 to 3:15, and uh, you know you might laugh at that, but when you look at my my logs going back to you know 2000 when I started using Rick's product, um, there on every year there's probably only out of 60 to 90 days on the water, there's probably only about a half dozen where I'm on the water when it's not rated, his scale one to 100, where it's not a 50, which is a low end of good or higher. But I've been out on days that have been highly rated and you get a cold front or you get rain or you get wind, and, and big wind, and, and it screws things up. So I really enjoy this. And his, his uh, I, the reason I'm moving around here, I hear, I'm gonna show you guys, this is, this is our, my buddy, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie's uh, 14 months old, and he's one of our three cats. And Charlie uh, inherited the uh, moniker of being my travel cat. He goes with me up to Sturgeon Bay on every trip. He loves, he loves to ride. So I figured if I shut the door, he's going to be making noise. So I might as well let him in here while, while we're doing this. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, I When I do my talks, I tell people, you know, go when you can go. Um, but if you've got some opportunity to, to go based on solar lunar times, whether it's hunting Zach or musky fishing, I mean, these musky guys, 
they go nuts. I mean, they're full moon, new moon. I mean, they're 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 um, monitoring everything, and they're noting, you know, wind direction. And I mean, I, my logs and everything are much simpler, but I do like to have an idea that you know. And, and I've been out on days where, let's say, the prime time on a good day is noon to three. And it, I mean, it's stupid to to think this, but there have been times when during noon to three, it's pretty darn good. Three o'clock rolls around and all of a sudden things kind of shut down. And, um, you know, I've done this for hundreds and hundreds of days. So I've got a little bit of a feel for it. Um, the, uh, his, he, may, he has a book, How to Know When to Go. I wrote an article with him on, you know, best times. And uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, in his book, uh, and Rick, Rick's a cool guy. He's probably, I don't know how old he is, but he's, he's, he's real detail oriented and he's got a bass pond on his property in Iowa and he does, you know, he tests things out. But um, in his book, he said he'd never given a 100 rating. Well, this June 6th that I just told about is rated a 98. Well, back in year 2000, he actually did give a 100. On June 29th, June 30th, and July 1st, the ratings were 96, 98, and 100. And Rick admitted that the book was done before because he said, you're right, Bill, I did give one 100. And I can tell you, I was on the water those three days. Big wind blowing me along a shoreline on Green Bay. 248 smallmouth in about 20 hours of fishing. Um, that was back in the day when there were lots of schools of little fish up there. I can tell uh -huh. you that almost no fish were even legal. They were all like 12, 13, 14 inches, but a lot of them. So anyways. Well, and when you're fishing for fun, it, it you know, hey, they all count, right? You know, they, they all count. And, and, and again, with all the river fishing that I've done over the years, I have thousands thousands of fish that are 10, 11, 12 inches. And they're fun yeah. in the current. They're, I mean, they're a blast. And you get them on a little teeny wee crawfish and you don't want them to, you know, pull off the hooks or something uh, or, or a small lure with, with a, a medium light rod. Um, I, you know, I've for years with the, the lures that I showed you, the um, uh, just a tip for people, my, my best length and uh, action for uh, my river, uh, lures, I, and I, I've been involved with St. Croix rods since 1998, is a 6.10 medium light extra fast in a variety of series. That's my my favorite rod. And, um, you know, it works great. But, you know, I will trade a lot of little fish for um, some nice ones. And, um, and nice ones don't have to be five, say, here's Charlie trying to get, okay, buddy, come on, you got to get down. Um, the uh, this spring, um, there's you know an area just just outside of Sturgeon Bay, and Sturgeon Bay is a big bay that goes out into Lake Michigan, where the, you know middle of May a lot of bass guys, bass boats all over the place. One of my guide friends just had mentioned, yeah, I had a little luck by whatever, and I'm talking 300 yards from where I launched my Kusa, I pedaled over there, and um, in all, you know, 12,000 smallmouth I've caught and released up in Sturgeon Bay alone, 
I've had some phenomenal days, but I've never had uh, days where my percentage of big five, pl five pound plus fish um, was, was any better. And it was great. I, what I, I'm sitting there in the Coosa FD, which both you guys know that kayak. And here's, you know, 50 yards away, three guys in a bass boat or one guy in a boat. And I'm trying to get these big fish in without them seeing me, you know, and I, you know, I, I got to use a net on those big ones, but I'm trying to get the, the Coosa away. So I'm, I'm netting them, uh, you know, away from them, but I'm already excited about hitting that stretch. And we're talking a 25 or 30 yard stretch in about seven to 10 feet of water. And those are coming, uh, you know, a, a lot of them are coming on little two and a half inch tubes um, right on the bottom. So yeah, I'm already, already again, looking forward to, uh, you know, mid, mid to late May and early June uh, getting out there, going after some of those bigger, those bigger smallies. What's bothering me about the crummy weather that looks like we're going to get starting the end of next week when I'm up there is this is this is really a great time of year to get on some some really nice fish five to five to six six and a half pounds not a lot of them but just some really nice fish right now when the wind's bad do you ever trailer your boat and head up to a different ramp in a different area to maybe beat the wind up on the big lake I do that. I do that all the time, Chad. The um, that's the nice thing about you know five or six launches on Green Bay from Sturgeon Bay all the way up to the end of the peninsula. About that's about mm -hmm. thirty miles. Or on the Lake Michigan side, you've got three bays on the north the north side of uh, Door County uh, on Green Bay or on Lake Michigan that that you can go to. So yes, uh, you know I've. It's rare that I can't be, you know, it's, you know, you got 20, 25 mile an hour winds on one side and you go to the lakeside and usually you can find a, a place to fish. I've a couple of times been bad on both sides. I just wait. And a lot of times up there, as you guys know, on big water, the wind can shift. So, you know, you can, you can go out on in one footers and you're coming back at six miles an hour and four footers, you know, for five miles. And, uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, happens all the time. But I guess I've, you know, I've got uh, about not all of every this many days, but I've been on the water over 600 days uh, from when I first fished up there in 1995. So I have a pretty good idea of, of where to go, what to look for if the weather's crummy. And I've only had one, one huge scare. And that was, um, uh, was that two or three years ago, one of the places that I go that when the wind's coming big from the West and Southwest, it's got a big, you know, cliff bluff that blocks it. So you might still have wind, but you don't have the waves. And I got to tell you, I, I went up there and this wasn't in a kayak, but of my Yarcraft 186. Um, and I got on the water five miles away. I went up there and thought, you know, maybe I better turn around and head back after a few hours of fishing. And in all my years up there, and this can be huge waves, I went around that point to head south. That's the first time I ever, it, I, the waves are the kind that you see on videos where the boat goes over backwards. And I literally mm -hmm. rode two of these things over. I honestly, the adrenaline was unbelievable. Turned around, went back to the launch that was protected, 
tied up the boat. And there was a couple from Illinois. And I said, hey, would you mind giving me a ride back down to Sister Bay about five miles? And they were very nice. I got my, my boat, my, my vehicle, my trailer, came back up, parked, fished for another three, four hours, and then left. But it was scary, mm-hmm. dangerous. And I typically that doesn't happen. And, and you know, even with, um, quite honestly, I've been out in two, three footers with the Kusa FD, and it's it's great. It's so stable, and it's so great. And my, my yard craft can handle you know, four or five footers, um, mm-hmm. if, if necessary. Yeah. That Kusa FD is, it's a fun little boat. I, um, I it. It's, it's great because obviously the, the NAR is a, is a wonderful big water boat, but the nice thing about the, um, for me with the Kusa, even though I'm using, um, I've got a couple of Malone trailers, it's easy. I'm Charlie's trying, he's on the other side here. Hey buddy, you gotta, um, get going. The, um, it's easy for me to get it. You know, I take the uh, pedals out and I can push it up on the trailer really easy, um, mm. you know, from the water. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I, I try to find places in a kayak that are blocked. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just, it's no matter if you've got a trolling motor on your kayak, I don't, uh, Chad and I, we chatted about this the other day, but you know, I'm a keep it simple guy, as I mentioned, in my my Kusa, the probably there are a few times when I could use a locator um, with the, the the deep water, but I have a sense of, you know, with the water being clear, if I can see the bottom, it's twelve or thirteen feet. I kind of know the depths, but I I don't have any locators on any of my kayaks. Um, you know, I've got my rods, my lures, and and even the 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 small number of lures I take, uh, it's it's doesn't overwhelm the kayak. I really personally like the front of the kayak being wide open. And I know a lot of guys enjoy having the uh, trolling motor up front or other things. I enjoy that, um, whatever degrees that is in front of me, you know, left, right, and front to be casting um, in all directions. And I don't want to be hindered by something in my way or, you know, uh, even in my my boat with the you know my Minkota trolling motor, if I've sometimes got it up when I'm in shallow water, I've I've banged that trolling motor with a rod, and I don't want to break a rod on on a windshield or a trolling motor or or anything. Uh, so I keep it pretty pretty simple in the kayak. Now, talking about keeping it simple, um, I know I know you've got your philosophy, but uh, you know, kind of my curiosity is how much do you actually watch and stay in tune with, you know, newer techniques um, that maybe come to market and all that? Is it something that you view or do you just shy away from it altogether and say, you know, I'm going to stick with, with what I do? No, that's a, you know, that's a good question, Chad. And I'll give you a good example. Um, and I think every, I used to run an event in, in Sturgeon Bay, that got up to 50 people for a weekend of fishing. And uh, I stopped doing it because everyone who wanted to come came to it. And, um, but one of my friends wanted to go out with me and, and he, this was 2016 in June. And he, and he told me about the Ned rig. I'd never fished the Ned rig. I'd heard about it. I never did. I never studied it. And by, by August, I actually, you know, three times out with the Ned rig during August of 2016, twice up there, 
and once on a little river in southwest Wisconsin, the results are so tremendous that the Ned Rig, as you know, one of my items in my little, you know, here we go, little, you know, green pumpkin goby TRD on a on a Ned Locks jig um, is great. So yes, um, the other one is about four years ago was when um, the well-known bait shop up there, they, they always got, you know, good advice. And, and they were, you know, I'd heard, I'd heard them talking about the Kitek lures and I'd never used them, but I got some about four years ago and um, they talked about the 3.3 and the 3.8 fat swing impact. I had, I, this was like, I think 2019, I tried them, you know, swimming them, depending on the depth, either a lighter jig or a heavier jig, just swim them slow and steady. And the 3.3 was better. And then two years ago, I started also throwing in the 2.8 and it just kicked it out of the others. And I just, you know, I, you know, it, it's great. It's a great river lure and it's great. I've, my philosophy has been, I think small catches everything. And even though a lot of guys think big is what you've got to go with and it's fine, but I, I'm, I'm very, very finesse. So the 2.8 Kitek fat swing is phenomenal. And uh, it's pretty much all, and my best year, my best day up there this year in the Kusa um, middle of July, um, where the Friday before a friend and his son got, got skunked, you know, I kind of had a feeling the fish might be moving six hours, 72 smallmouth with, um, four plus and five plus a bunch of threes. And every single fish came on the 2.8 fat swing. And, and probably my overall best lure on the big water has been the 2.8 fat swing impact in about five or six colors like alewife, black shad, shad, electric shad, uh, goby in where the, you have a dark on the top, light on the bottom. And when I get up there, this will be along with the, um, the little 2.5 inch right bite uh, tube will probably be my key, my key presentations up there when I'm, whether I'm in the kayak or the boat, it's, it's nice because it makes things really simple. My storage areas in my boat are virtually empty and in the kayak, you don't have to take a lot of stuff. And uh, so it, it makes things real simple. I, you know, I have plenty of rods and reels and um, I lean my rods up against my back platform. And in the, um, the Kusa, I've got a J crate. So I've got the uh, flush mount, um, uh, rod holders. I have a couple there. I have two or three in the J crate and I've got a couple of external ram mounts. So I have five or six rods. And it's funny where that day in July, every single rod was rigged with a 2.8 fat swing impact. Um, most on a one fifteenth ounce, uh, Ned locks Z-Man jig. And I had one that had a little heavier jig. So, um, these are newer things that for me, the last, uh, you know, four to six years, the one thing again, um, 
I pay attention to things. And if they're finesse, you know, I'd like to give them a try. Drop shotting is something that is a great presentation. I just haven't done it as much because these others have been very good for me. Uh, so I'm not adverse at all to uh, new things. In fact, the only old thing that I really use is the Rebel Teeny Wee Crawfish that goes back uh, for me to 1995. And um, it's still, from a river standpoint, the, the little Teeny Wee that's a two to three foot diver, when you're in a river that's you know one to three feet deep, it is phenomenal. It out, outfishes their two inch version, uh, the wee craw or the middle craw. It just works great. And, uh, but you know, so, but if something's better than those and someone, and I, I like things that are easy to use too. I like things so that if, you know, nothing simpler than throwing a tube and letting it sit on the bottom and twitching it a little bit or a Ned rig, letting it just sit there and let the current do its thing. Or as simple as swimming a, you know, a Kitek or a, or a slim swim from Z-Man. It doesn't get much simpler than that. And that's, you know, I like, I like simple. Yeah. And I mean, the simple, simple goes a long way. I think, you know, we can't overcomplicate. To overcomplicate things but i think there is a well i think a lot of you know yeah the joke always has been you know it, it is hard well you know a lot of people you know they go to the the bait shop and you know things look good and 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 and, and baits catch many times more anglers than they do fish and mm -hmm. you know whether there are i mean i have to tell you i think some of the uh, articles in Bassmasters and, and, and especially Matt Straw's articles and in Fisherman are tremendous. And Matt's in particular, he gets right to the, um, you know, right to the meat of things. And I, mm -hmm. I, you know, what I like to do, whether I'm writing an article or whether I'm giving a talk, I want people to come away with very usable information. I don't, um, Obviously, every once in a while I'm at a show and I'll listen to someone else. One thing I've done for a long time that no one else, I've not seen anyone else do. Um, and, and now I just simply, I have a PDF of my entire talk. And mm -hmm. someone come to my talk and email me at, you know, my, my smalleycentral at gmail.com or at one of, you know, kayakfishingwisconsin at gmail.com. And they can get the entire talk. Um, I'm not... I don't, I'm not a big fan of telling where you're fishing. I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of showing you what I'm using to catch all these thousands of smallmouth bass. Um, the, and again, I don't want to do any promoting if it's okay and not okay, but I have a, a, a small email group of a thousand men and women that mm -hmm. I communicate with on a, 25, 30 time a year basis. And just if anyone listening is a smally nut and you're a catch and release person and you'd like to be on my group, and I have people from around the country, mostly though Illinois and Wisconsin, uh, you're, you're welcome to be on the group. Um, the nice thing is we've got a 
discount with Kitech. We've got a discount with Gopher Jigs. And we've got a few other things that um, are with products that simply work. Um, I've had in all my years of doing all of this, one mm-hmm. guy with the um, Kalen's Lunker Grub, which is another great, great smally lure, especially the four inch, uh, huge, big tail. And he, he nicely emailed me and said, you know, Bill, I used that Kalen's Lunker Grub. It really wasn't very good. So I emailed him back and said, how are you fishing it? He said, well, I'm, I'm bouncing it off the bottom. And I go, no, no, no. Swim it as slow and steady as you can. If you tick the bottom, speed it up a little bit. And he emailed me back and said, oh, it works great. So, you know, I, I like it when people have success with what I'm, I'm suggesting because it, it goes to my credibility. I'm not, you know, none of the things that I just, I've showed you, nothing did I, I get given to me. Uh, hey, Bill, you know, you got a big group. Give this a try and then tell them about it. Well, no, no, I, I need to find things that work great. Then I'll tell people about it because I don't like, I don't want people emailing me and saying, the heck? That doesn't work at all. So, you know, it goes to my credibility. And that's the nice thing about, you know, wearing my, you know, the Jackson kayaks. I mean, I, they're wonderful. Um, they meet all my needs and um, they're, they're a great product. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of Orion coolers. Um, you know, I just don't like using things that don't, aren't mm-hmm. really good. I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled. Uh, you know, I've now. Now, do you think, though, that, um, you know, we had, we kind of had this conversation a, a little bit this weekend, confidence baits. I think there's a lot of people out there that find confidence in bait X, Y, or Z, and that becomes their go-to. Do you feel like, you know, that folks should try to find baits that they have a confidence in? Like, maybe one of your baits will work for them, but maybe... The other, they just can't get the presentation right. How do you approach that with uh, with your conversations? No, that's a that's a great point. And obviously, if I'm on a river the last three years and I'm using the teeny wee crawfish, which actually goes back, you know, almost two and a half decades with me. But you know, it was 2021 that I really started going nuts with the cut mm. with the uh, Z-Man Slim Swims. That's pretty mm. much it. That's what I've got on, you know two rods. I t- tuck one in my waiter belt and I'm using one. And I, I, you know, I, I never go out with just one rod when I'm waiting. Um, but yes, I do have a lot of confidence in them because they work and the, um, and, and someone else might have confidence in some, something else. Um, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, I've done this so long as, you know, especially the rivers, you know, even Door County at Sturgeon Bay up there where you, some days you just kind of know. And I mean, you could be using, you know, the guy, the, the tournament guy or the guy that's into everything could try eight or nine or 10 different things and not do well. So, mm. you know, just some days that's the case, but I, these, obviously these few, few things I've used for me go back, you know, to the day one with, uh, you know, that first Smalley in May of 1994. And um, they've continued to work a couple, you know, tweak a couple things. But um, 
not too much. Kind of talked around that question. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. It's, I'm looking at the comments, and I've got somebody that popped up that said there was a cowboy puppet, and I was just like, okay. Yeah, that threw me off. He threw me off for a minute, Bill. I apologize if I went kind of looking like I was sideways at the screen. I was just like, what is what's this? I mean, you know, the one thing, and I mean, you guys know this, and, you know, probably a lot of people watching this, you know, I, I don't, um, I'm pretty zealous about catch and release. I've got mm. a whopping two pictures in the last 29 years where I'm holding two fish. And they, mm. they're both with someone else caught, we each caught one. But mm. I'm, a, you know, a big fan of, uh, hey, one fish per picture. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting fish in live wells when I'm just out there to take a picture with three or four big fish, I just don't think it's good for the uh, fish. It's not good for the environment. I mean, you know, on November 7th of uh, 2020, uh, 46 degree water, you know, my personal best at seven pounds, four ounces, my picture of me is terrible. The fish it's, it's pretty good, but I was going, I'm working so hard to get that fish back in the water that fish literally flew out of my hands, 46 degree water. It was, it was fine. And the next morning, you know, my number two on the same rod and reel, same lure, the same uh, right bite tube, exact same uh -huh. tube. My number two at six pounds, 12 ounces, and both on the boga grip. So, you know, legitimate uh, weights. I still just work my butt to get fish back in the water. Um, I'm not... I literally, my live well gets used virtually never in the boat and certainly in the kayak. Um, the one thing, uh, I mean, one of the guys that you you guys know, he's been a friend of mine for years, uh, Jeff Little. And uh, I have no idea why I didn't think of this, but some of the, up until a couple of years ago, um, Jackson would send along uh, a lip gripper uh pliers. I never thought of now if I'm on, on a river with one of my kayaks and I get a big uh, smallie and I'm trying to get the camera set up, I just put that lip gripper with a rope and I let it back down in the water. What a great idea. I never, I have no idea why I didn't think of that, but Jeff, Jeff gave me that thought two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it allows me to feel comfortable, you know, not thinking I'm not hurting the fish by trying to keep it out of the water too long. Um, I've heard others in my group say to me, you know, Bill, I saw someone, they're screwing around trying to get their camera, their wife can't find the phone. And, and I've yelled, they tell me, I've yelled, put the fish back in the water. Well, I, I, I have to tell you, I actually have done that myself a couple of times. Take the picture and put the fish back in the water. You know, or even some of my guide friends with clients sometimes seem to keep fish out of the water a little longer, not as big a deal mm -hmm. in the spring or the summer, but, or in the fall, but in the summer when even up in the great lakes, the water temps are, you know, 73, 74. And where you guys are, from, you know, you get oh, yeah. catching bass in water that's 85 degrees. Yeah. And that's, you know, it puts even, a lot even of stress on those fish. 
No, it really yeah. does. So I, um, I don't know. I, I have to, you know, certainly I try to be careful. I got to keep my mouth shut because, you know, you get, you kind of get known and you got a boat that's got, you know, your name on your engine and your sponsors on the, on the boat or the kayak. They see Jackson kayak and they see, you know, stuff like this. You know, you just, yeah, I just try to be a little careful. I'm, I'm not, you know, harassing people on the water, but I, I try to educate with uh, catch and release. And the nice thing is just about all of the thousand that are on my Smalley group are really zealous catch and release. And they actually um, get pretty frustrated when they see, especially up in, in Sturgeon Bay in the spring, when they see, you know, one boat after another going after, you know, that male bass on a bed. And I, mm-hmm. my feeling has been, and again, I know different parts of the country feel differently about this, but my, my feeling is they're really, um, you know, there are plenty of ways to, to catch and really smallmouth bass without harassing a male that's just trying to do um, its thing on a bed. I wrote an article two years ago with the world's leading expert on researching smallmouth bass, David Phillip, PhD, president of the uh, uh, United States Fishing Federation and emeritus professor from the University of Illinois. That 3,000 word article could be, you know, broken down into one sentence. Don't fish beds, it hurts the fishery. And then it also hurts the, the fish. So I try to stay away from that. Um, and I just hope, you know, through education, you know, people realize that, hey, let them do their thing. You know, they're trying to, that helps a fishery when you let that male guard those. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, another, never met him, but uh, he's in two halls of fame. He's a uh, contributing writer for In Fisherman is Gord Pizer, former DNR guy with in, in Ontario. And Gord uh, and I communicate, and he's written articles too. But the bottom line is, and I know things can be different when, when the bass spawn many times, like in the South maybe, but they, they've got a small window on, in way North. And um, in, in on Green Bay with all the gobies, even if you happen to catch a male bass, you smile at it, put it back in the water in just 30 seconds or so, and it goes back toward that bed. The bed is still 50 to 100% shot. And many times that the, the male bass, not that they think it like this, but they do make a, a decision. Do I continue to guard or do I go to fight for, an, you know, go fight another day? So I don't know. I'll, I'll stop there. I don't want to get, I don't want to get anyone too upset with me about talking about not you know, fishing bets. And to each their own on that. We know yeah. there's tournaments and different things where guys have money on the line in certain instances. Well, and, I can tell you, know, you it, that the city of Sturgeon Bay, you're talking about the city that, you know, Sturgeon Bay was nine, nine and eight years ago, named number one and two. And this year mm-hmm. it didn't make the top 25 in the Central Division. Um, the city of Sturgeon Bay, actually from the middle of May to the end of June, only way on the water tournaments, which like kayak tournaments. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to do it. You know, then you're, you know, I mean, you can still obviously do the bed fishing, but at least mm-hmm. the fish are released back in into the area. They're not taken somewhere. So I don't know. That's, right, just, that's, just, that's just me, guys. And I, you know, 
Uh, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. Well, Bill, awesome we've made situation. it at 55 minutes here, 50 going on 56. Um, well, right now, I'm going to let you... stuff, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> and all you got to do nah. is get me, get me wound up and let me go, and I can just keep talking, I guess. Oh, man, no, it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, so as we close out the show tonight, as we hit this hour mark, um, first thing I want to do, Bill, is um, let you thank all your sponsors that you need to thank and tell the people where to uh, get in contact with you, uh, social media, your email list. Um, go ahead and, if you want to, go well, through I, all that. I appreciate that. I, I'm fortunate that I've been involved with some companies for a long time. The longest uh, since 1998, St. Croix Rods. Obviously, I'm very, very happy to be a, a part of the Jackson team and bending branches and um, actually not kayaking, but Mercury and Yarcraft and uh, Kitech and Z-Man and Kalins, uh, uh, Gopher Tackle, Malone Trailers. Uh, just, you know, that just makes fishing a little, a little more fun and a little easier. Um, but if anyone really enjoys smallmouth bass fishing, which is pretty much all I do, um, main email is smallycentral at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. S-M-A-L-L-I-E central at gmail.com. Happy to put you on my group. I, again, I, I hope that, you know, those that are on my group are mostly uh, catch and release. Um, and uh, I got a lot of kayak guys. I got a lot of boat guys. I got a lot of guys that wade. And I say guys in a generic term because I've got quite a few women. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed my group because actually, selfishly, they're a resource for me. Um, many of them are river people. Many, you know, go up to Sturgeon Bay and, you know, will feed me information uh, about how they're doing. So I give them a lot of information and they, uh, my group uh, gets back to me too. And, and again, we've got some nice uh, little perks uh, with some discounts on some really great lures. So, hey, Chad and Zach, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, I will yeah. tell you, and, and Chad, you were good to remember the, the numbers I, I figuring as I'm getting even more and more as a senior, I better not just wait for five thousands. So I was real excited when in July I, I hit thirty one thousand because I I think now I'm going to get excited about those every one thousand. So I mm -hmm. guess thirty two thousand is my next shot, and that'll that'll happen hopefully sometime in twenty twenty four. Yep, absolutely, man. It sounds like you're on, you're on pace, and uh, we wish you the best of luck going into 2024. And I hope you have a good winter, Bill, and a great Christmas. And you know, we'll be talking again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, thank you, guys. Really appreciate being on the on the podcast. You guys do a great job. All right, Bill. Me and Zach are going to go ahead and close out the show. We bid you farewell and have a good night, my friend. There we go. Episode number 40 in the books, you guys. Thank you so much for watching. Even Flocky. We had to kick Flocky the Ram. I think that's the first guy that I've ever It got weird, man. It, that last comment got weird. The last comment. It got weird. I don't know where Flocky the Ram came from, but we apologize to you guys that are watching <laughs> on YouTube. We had to uh, we had to bounce Flocky. Uh, <laughs> that was weird, dude. Flocky, that was a new one. Weird. 
That was a new one. You wonder how people find like some random like hunting fishing podcast and like there it is and mm-hmm. no no man I don't know but uh, anyway man so what you got this weekend anything good uh, I'm gonna try and find a way to get out in the woods this weekend um, it's and it's always so tough when I'm up here don't have any real good spots to go uh, a buddy of mine that I I do some urban hunting with down about an hour south of me i gotta get with him and see what his schedule's like and uh hopefully mm-hmm. i can get down there with him saturday morning maybe um for the soccer game at 10 o'clock maybe i can be back in time to to get here for it but mm-hmm. no that's the that's the goal at the moment is get this new bow set up and sighted in in the next three days and hopefully get out this weekend if not definitely the next weekend but yeah man i i was i was drilling pretty hard down there kentucky lake outdoors they had uh had some that's some decked out points sitting around and i did the right thing i went and held a few of them did the right thing went and held a few of them uh they got a nice shop there always have had a nice shop but their new build newer building is even even better they've got a pretty sweet little archery range back there a bunch of five spots and Vegas targets hanging on the wall. Kind of reminiscent. Did pick up a bow. Didn't shoot anything, but I did pick up a bow. So there's that. And I got the only thing I shot was an elk photo. So I'm stoked about that. That that alone, hearing those bugles alone was enough to uh make the hair on your neck stand up. Oh me and White Guard in the comments, we was uh we was a hot mess. It of course, you know. Neither of us have ever got to be that close to a bugling elk, like, and by close, I mean 25, 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we backed up the hill. White was standing up and he says, It's coming over the ridge. It's coming over the ridge. And I back up real quick. And it's like all of a sudden you just see the antlers, just the rack just coming out of the tall grass. And it's like, as Jason Cassidy did it best. <laughs> <laughs> his, elk, his elk call was a little off but he tried real hard there might be some video footage released later of jason cassidy's elk call forward to that the uh i'm sure it's a it's a lot like it is up here in, in pa where i mean the last time i was up around benazette there was a bull he was hot too he probably had a dozen cows with him out in this field and there was I don't know, no less than a hundred of us standing around less than 70 yards from him as he chased these cows around this field. I'm like, this is like being in a zoo. This is, <laughs> this is not yeah. like wild elk right now. <laughs> oh, they were moving pretty good. It was, it was weird. The land between the lakes is a pretty neat place. There's a lot to do and a lot to see if anybody's down in that Kentucky Lake, Lake Barkley area. Definitely head over to Land Between the Lakes. Check out the um, the elk and the bison prairies that they have. Uh, it is pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I think for a lot of folks, and you know, that was a good big part of the um, the whole Kentucky rebirth for the elk. Land Between the Lakes played a big part in that, and you know, breeding some elk and and getting them out there. So I think that was pretty cool as far as that part of it goes. But yeah, got it. Got, yeah, it got I, the think they, I think they they reestablished that herd <laughs> down there prior to starting the project up here. 
Um, I'm mm -hmm. not sure what the total herd numbers are down there, but I think there's somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred up here now. Yeah, it would be interesting to to dive into that data. That's where we need to have the old boy from uh, Kentucky Field or something on here to like really talk about that whole prod that whole elk project in the east. That would be a fun episode. There was I can't remember if it may it may have been on Amazon Prime. There was a oh like a little special or something on there like an hour and a half long on uh rocky mountain elk foundation and doing their uh elk walk in west virginia and i think that was mm -hmm. probably five or five or six years ago um when i watched that so i don't know how that herd's doing or how exactly how long ago they they kind of launched that project yeah. but it's it's really cool to see them kind of get reestablished around the country in places they used to be natural. I mean, Indiana used to have elk back, you know, yeah, decades, you know, hundred years ago. But it, uh, no, it's pretty cool. The the population density there is there's not enough open territory in Indiana now to support an elk population. But no, we've got a lot of houses per square mile here these days. Um, even even our forestry has people living literally right on the edges sometimes in it just owning little plots of property so yeah it'd be near impossible at this point yeah i think if you were going to see them it would be down in the the jasper santa claus area down that way it's a lot more open and remote down there um, yeah and less hilly i think when you get west west of there so it kind of flattens out in Indiana just a little bit right there as you head towards Illinois. But overall, I mean, I don't, know, I, I don't see it happening, but hey, you never know. Bears wandered yeah. across the river. Yeah, I mean, probably not. But Oklahoma's got them. Kansas has got them. Nebraska's got them. I think there's some in Michigan. So it's it's cool to to see them starting to branch out a little bit. But they're they're an awesome animal for sure. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's neat to see the conservation that's going into it. I think that's what we need to do. We need to find us a conservationist to talk about some yeah. east eastern elk instead of the western yeah, elk. That'd be, that'd be a cool conversation. Wyatt, do not let that be a bucket list item. Just go do it. There you go, Wyatt. I know a guy. I said that I know for a, a long time, and <laughs> I've been every year since. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Kentucky one, it, it, Kentucky can be a bucket list item because it's really hard to get drawn for that one. Yeah, it's like less than a half a percent chance if you're a non resident. So, that one's definitely a bucket list, but yeah, that one's a bucket lister. And there's, uh, there's no point, there's no point system, it's purely lottery. So, and the, the Colorado stuff's going to change, so that might be interesting too. Yeah, right now it's just an allocation change um, and how they kind of divvy up resident versus non-resident chances mm -hmm. and things like that. So uh, in the next five years, I would say we see limits on, if not a limit on non-resident over-the-counter, at least a limit on non-resident over-the-counter, if not non-resident over-the-counter going away altogether. Um, I think we're really going to see a change out there. Um, but we're looking at other states and other options to be able to continue to try and 
hunt them somewhere every year. Uh, but that's the, the challenge at the moment. So that's a good challenge. It's a good challenge yeah. to have an amazing experience. Uh, calling him a archery like a turkey would be awesome. Absolutely. It is, dude. Uh, the last, well, I shot my cow at 30 yards this year. In 2020, I shot a bull at 13 yards. 2019, my first bull, he was 46 yards. So. Mm -hmm. okay. Stay watching. Having, the, uh, having a bull rub a tree at 13 yards is pretty awesome. Yeah. For for all you that are interested, stay watching the Huntley channel on the gram because Zach's got some stuff in the hopper that he's gonna drop on you. Um very soon. I'll go see it before you do. <laughs> but I've got all the anyway, footage. I just need to go through it. I've seen some of the footage. Some of the footage. I've at least seen the doe footage. But all right, guys. Well, we will uh we'll be back on Thursday night. We've got uh Jackson Kayak Dog Talk. We'll be talking to the three, uh, top three from the uh, Big Jackson Kayak Classic down at Kentucky Lake. So tune in with us 8 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. And yeah, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon.